Welcome to the EverJourn Podcast, where we bridge sustainable and responsible travel topics to the individual traveler's experience. I'm Allie. And I'm Alex. Woo. So, Alex, um, it's been so Allie. a little bit since we last recorded. How, how have you been? Let's not get into that. No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What would you like me to ask? I've had enough therapy for the day. And how does that make you feel? (laughs) Um, But hey, you just got back from Utah, Mm -hmm. and I got some travel plans coming up. Lots of travel happening. How was Utah? Uh, Utah was great. I was out there for, I guess, now like five weeks so I, I, I saw the, the seasons change which was kind of nice um and really? um yeah I guess it was interesting driving back to Colorado um, for those of you familiar with Utah and Colorado the I-70 goes right through the middle of both states and you just get on I-70 and just take it for hundreds of miles um but yeah I it was interesting driving back actually this last week and seeing Colorado suddenly actually feeling more summery like it's lush and green for the first time in like months I can't even think of the last time I saw it so that's funny because I heard it was gonna snow this weekend yeah um that's true we're actually expecting (laughs) some weird mixture of rain and snow so it'll probably all turn to mud before you know it but I am embracing this beautiful weather that we're having right now but back to Utah at least it was uh it was fun. I got to go to Bryce Canyon, um, which is wasn't too far away from me. But otherwise, it was just a lot of hanging out and and enjoying the fun weather. I got to also go to um, down to St. George, where the Ironman World Championship was happening. So that was pretty interesting for me, um, witnessing the tri-nerd life that I had never known before. Oh, man. Learned a lot. Learned a lot of names. Yeah. It was really fun, I will say. But, but yeah, that was my time. How's yours? Or what? No, you're you haven't gone traveling. You are about to travel. Right, right. I am anticipating traveling and trying not to get COVID before I go. But I'm going yeah. to stay with my mom for like a week and a half in Tucson. That'd be and fun. I've only been to Tucson once, so I'm excited to see what it's all about. Oh, wow. Yeah, I actually just had a friend that went down to Tucson, and she was asking for recommendations and kind of similar to you I mean the last time I'd really ever gone down to Tucson I was a kid so none of my recommendations yeah. would are probably even open now or who knows There's what a life really would cool like. ball pit in the Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> <laughs> exactly so yeah I kept more of my recommendations to more the Phoenix area but Tucson will be nice yeah I know it's a lot cooler maybe like five degrees cooler than Phoenix which actually matters yeah but that'll be good there's a winery not yeah. too far from there like the oh, okay. the wine country of Arizona is not too far. Cool. Yeah. Wait. All right. Pro tip. Pro tip. <laughs> well, that'll be good. All right. And you're, I take it you're flying. Yeah. I'm flying into Phoenix, so I'll spend a couple days there, see some people, we'll be see fun. the fam. Awesome. Yeah. But I'm excited to explore a part of Arizona that I have not spent much time in. Yeah. That'll be good. Uh, hopefully it's not too hot to do some hiking. Maybe I'll do a couple early morning short hikes. Early morning for sure, whatever you do. And yeah. then just hunker down inside the rest of the day in, in the air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like deathly afraid of encountering critters, which is kind of funny because I did, you know, a fair share of hiking when I lived in Tempe. Mm-hmm. But 
never encountered a critter, and I'm really afraid of it. Well, yeah, Tempe is quite smack dab in the middle of Phoenix, where... Well, I didn't hike in Tempe. Yeah. Where do you hike in Tempe? You could do, I mean, you you could know, do I, a mountain. I hike in the, hike in the supers. <laughs> yeah. I did the a mountain a lot. That's yeah. true. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I that just, is a good I point. I was very cause, lucky. Because most of the critters come out this time of year. Like, they wait until it's hot. So. Oh, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Well, that's, what I, that's what I'm saying. Like, go in the morning, A, for yourself and your <sighs> safety of not getting heat stroke, but also your safety from oh, yeah. encountering critters, because... I'll just try and get my uncle to go with me. He's a Marine, so he'll protect me. (laughs) (laughs) That works perfectly. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. But actually, I'm really excited to go because it is a dark sky city. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Tucson. Hubble telescope's down there. Yep. They got the Hubble. I think maybe they have a dark sky park. Um, I don't know. I got to figure out what what spots to check out, Mm -hmm. but I think it's going to be like a sustainable traveler's dream yeah as far as a location to visit yeah so i'm excited to find some spots to check out and report back yeah so that you can go check them out next time you're in town yeah i'd love an excuse to go down and explore all the things down there because i feel like like i said all the things i think about when i think of tucson are stuff i would have enjoyed when i was like 10 i'd like to think my interests have changed since then or at least evolved so it'd be nice to see something new yeah. That'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, um, for those of you that are listening and would like to understand what in the world we're talking about today, we figured... I said sustainable tourism, and I didn't even define it. <laughs> Very good point. Yeah, we, we you went straight into a term and not even defining it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of to what Alex was just saying, we're hoping to, to really, you know, lay... lay Lay the, what's the word I'm looking for? Lay the foundation? The foundation. Yeah, behind a lot of what we're hoping to talk about in this podcast, from what we mean by sustainable tourism and a bunch of other terms that are kind of bounced around in that realm, and hoping to help you figure out what what does that mean in your own traveling life, Um, but also maybe help you be a bit more aware of some of the positive and negative impacts that tourism can have um and yeah so we're hoping to just kind of discuss that yeah what are we going to talk about today sustainable tourism Mm -hmm. is one Mm -hmm. term uh ecotourism is a different term that we want to talk about Mm -hmm. and then eco-colonialism is Mm -hmm. one that i discovered in our research yeah i think is fascinating very fascinating it deserves its own podcast to talk about Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and then responsible travel, Mm -hmm. responsible tourism, responsible travel, travel, travel. Yeah. So, yeah, those are some of the big ones. Those are the four biggies. Mm -hmm. And we want to talk about greenwashing in there a little bit too. Mm -hmm. I feel like most people have probably heard of that term by now, Mm -hmm. but I think it's interesting to talk about it in the realm in relation Mm -hmm. to, yeah, tourism. Yeah. No, I think it's a great example that we may not even really realize you you could be contributing to or you think something is you're getting tricked by yeah it's (laughs) it's really unfortunate but um what we're here to talk about so yeah well how should we get started well 
you have a little bit more experience in the industry, capital I. Uh, so I'm curious what you've learned about sustainable tourism in your, you know, research and work and education. Yeah. What What is like a standard classic definition of sustainable tourism? Oh, well, I mean, when I when I think of sustainable tourism, I have to remind myself that we're talking about the industry. We aren't just talking about you as an individual traveler. You're thinking about the the operators, the people that are um, running the hotel or even providing you the transportation um, between places and even the food and beverage providers that are feeding you while you're while you're traveling things like that like there's so many stakeholders that are involved that make up the tourism that we're talking about here but when you're applying sustainability to it uh, it's a matter of thinking too about not just the environment but the culture and the economy and the impacts that uh, the individual travelers or the hotels or the destination itself are experiencing by your um, and or really just the impacts of that so I know that's not the clearest definition I know um, there are amaz- some really amazing nonprofit organizations I've gotten familiar with and have made some connections through my time in school but uh, like there is Sustainable Travel International as well as uh, Global Sustainable Tourism Council. And they have provided so many amazing resources for not just the individual traveler, but also like the businesses that are a part of the tourism industry and how they can think about their operation with a sustainability lens. And I think it's it's something that, as I think we had said in our last podcast, is something that has relatively been around. It's just a proper term behind it. So... So basically, sustainable tourism is how the tourism industry is making its practices more sustainable yes. and more environmentally friendly, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So everything that's involved with the tour- tourism industry, like you said, uh, could be a contender for practicing mm-hmm. sustainable tourism. Mm-hmm. Not everyone does it, but some places opt in. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the resources you mentioned have, like, certification programs mm-hmm. and um, different ways that, like, hotels mm-hmm. and, um, like, tour operators can be verified mm-hmm. so that you as a traveler know mm-hmm. who you can engage with and maybe trust that they're maybe not being the most sustainable or perfectly sustainable, mm-hmm. but at least they've uh, thought about it and enhanced their practices so that they're having less of an impact yeah less of a negative impact on absolutely the environment yeah because especially if you think about what the or i guess if you if you think about the hotel operators or the sorry if you if you think about the hotels tourism operators um those food and beverage people or transportation people i was talking about those the people that are a part of that that individual industry are there way more often and more i guess long term than you are as a traveler so the impacts and the decisions that they make with their day-to-day operations have a greater impact on 
the environment, the culture that they're existing in. Whereas as a traveler, you your choices in in those hotels, in the tour operators that you work with, um, really, I guess, will ensure that, like, that, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess those businesses will exist because you're paying into it, is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. But um, you're economically supporting mm-hmm. better practices mm-hmm. and better standards in the industry by choosing to patronize those mm-hmm. those sustainable yes. tour operators and hotels, yeah. basically. Yeah. So that's... Participating in the industry helps it continue to be in, perpetu- or in perpetuity operating yes. sustainably. Perpetuity is the word I was looking for. Yeah, I, I think right. it is, it, but it also could be negative. So it is a matter of trying to think about those those practices that the, the companies that you're paying slash voting with your dollar for are, um, what are they doing with in their day-to-day operation and what is the impact they have. So that's really what, in a very long summary, what sustainable tourism really involves. And I, I mean, there's, there are so many facets to it and that's why it's such a interesting thing to talk about and something um, I, I find just really interesting to learn about. There's, um, like I said, amazing organizations in it. And I think it's, it, it, it provides a really great lens to the the tourism industry as a whole. I know that you, when you were studying at Duke, were interested in, like, sustainable tourism management mm-hmm. kind of work. Mm-hmm. So what in the whole sphere of sustainable tourism interests you most? Like, what would you want to work on if you could work on anything in sustainable tourism industry? Cool. That is such a loaded question. I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess I will say, um, personally, when I was at Duke, I was focusing on a lot of like coastal, coastal work. So thinking about beach tourism and um, marine debris and the, and I guess the the tourist and the tourism relationship with the ocean. So really anything that involved that I found um, especially interesting. I remember looking into, um, dive, uh, sorry. I I remember looking into dive practices, not just scuba diving, but also snorkeling and the impacts that it has on coral reefs. And I, I mean, coral reef tourism in itself is, it's niche, but it's also very popular and, um, also very damaging, I think for, for tourists that don't know how to interact with coral reefs and when it comes to that I mean it's something um yeah I guess in a dream world I I'd, I found that area especially fascinating but also I think when it comes to the businesses themselves like the like the resorts and how they educate their tourists is something very applicable not just in beach tourism but really all over the world wherever you go and I think the connection that hotels or tour operators bring to their tourists and understanding what um, what they are the environmental issues they're facing or the conservation efforts they're making and, and I guess bringing a bit more of a natural and cultural take to their travel is something that is really interesting and I've always found fascinating and, and I guess try to 
consider while I'm traveling myself. Yeah. Yeah, that is fascinating because beach tourism is huge. I mean, we have a ton of yeah. tons of beaches mm-hmm. in the U.S. Well, and if you think about um, what people do when they go to the beach, more often than not, especially in America, it's just like, I just want to go sit on a beach, drink in a margarita. or Drink my juice box, and then I want to throw my juice box straw on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not that, but yes, I, I think it's it's seen as such a relaxing thing. I've picked up so many juice box straws cleaning up riverfront parks that's here. such a specific item that's so interesting they must be coming from something other than ju- ju- juice boxes i don't know interesting well yeah when i was in north carolina we were we got unfortunately a lot of like fishing nets and fishing line on our beach cleanups but otherwise it was often almost always i guess now that i think about it like styrofoam and it, i'm pretty sure they came from like the styrofoam cups from gas stations or like the styrofoam mm-hmm. cups or sorry uh styrofoam coolers you'd get for like your day at the beach just for like a dollar at walmart and stuff yeah those disintegrate so easily and also styrofoam's like the bane of my existence in the first place but yeah yeah um yeah i think it's a the beach itself it's such a it's a place where people like to escape and not really think about what they're doing and the impact that they're having on on the ocean life or the ecosystem as a whole and it's, it's, yeah, it's easy to feel disconnected from it when you just see the surface yeah you don't see the whole ecosystem below yeah for sure yeah well speaking of that ecosystem below yeah you made me think when you're talking about coral reef tourism that's a type of ecotourism exactly i was thinking the same thing great transition wow, what a segue <laughs> speaking um, of ecotourism wow we're good at this mm-hmm. Um, yeah, ecotourism is something that I don't think I fully understood the definition of until we did a little background research Same. for this podcast. Yeah. So I want to make sure I read some of these definitions that we found because I think they are helpful mm-hmm. context. Mm-hmm. So very, at its very most basic, ecotourism is a specific type of tourism that's focused on natural areas mm-hmm. or natural entities Mm -hmm. so that could be a natural environment like a naturally occurring environment like uh, a coral reef or or like a rainforest or something yeah or a rainforest yeah some some sort of environment Mm -hmm. or it could be um a natural you know population of wildlife Mm -hmm. like elephants or you know and any type of exotic well any type of wildlife period yeah right I non-humans mean, sea, sea turtles <laughs> yeah not non-humans <laughs> um but there's also cultural ecotourism mm-hmm. to a degree um i feel like is is mostly in reference to like historical cultural tourism mm-hmm. so visiting like sites of ancient ruins and cultural ruins yeah but um yeah I think the, the point of all of this is, is that it's a type of tourism. Mm-hmm. It's still a type of tourism. Mm-hmm. You're not, like, saving the planet by participating in ecotourism. It's a type of tourism. Mm-hmm. But one of the other definitions we found, and this one's from the Global Ecotourism Network, so they might be a little biased, but their definition is that ecotourism is r- responsible travel to natural areas mm-hmm. that conserves the environment sustains the well-being of the local people and creates knowledge and understanding through interpretation and education of all of those involved including visitors staff 
and those who are being visited in this scenario. So basically it's like the best, most ideal type of non-harmful, only helpful, environmentally related tourism Mm -hmm. that could possibly exist. Mm -hmm. And so is that actually likely in common? Maybe like a panacea, I guess you could say. Yeah, like maybe in in our ideal world, Mm -hmm. that's all those boxes are being checked. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's more of an aspirational definition than a practical definition. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, ecotourism is a profit Mm -hmm. generating practice. Mm -hmm. Because it's rooted in tourism. It's rooted in commodifying something, marketing something for others to enjoy and so i think it's hard to hold those values um of protecting and preserving environment and local culture and community Mm -hmm. when you're when it's you know when the commerce exchange is is such an important piece of it yeah i would love to talk about examples because that actually helped me understand it so much more yeah have you participated in any like environmental or wildlife ecotourism before that you could think of like visiting endangered places or seeing like particular species of animals yes i you know i i realized when i'd gone to mexico several years ago um i did partake in some whale watching while we were out there i think it was yeah it was gray whales that were in season and it was a very popular thing to do while we were down there this is cabo area but i'm trying to think of like another call it like just pure ecosystem yeah i mean you've been to a lot of national parks have you been to like yeah. the redwood forest or anything yeah you know i guess i had a redwood and i've seen the sequoias i was a kid but yeah um i guess national parks are very could be seen as an example of where the e- the ecology is being pre- preserved. Yeah. Sorry, the ecosystem is being preserved. Um, and that's why it is, like, mandated as a national park. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Have you gone, experienced anything like that? Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think that whale watching is, like, pretty fine for the most part. You know, you're not, like, directly engaging with the animals right hopefully yes hopefully yeah i mean i guess there could be some impacts of like people being out on the water and maybe littering or the effects of the boat engines on yeah the wildlife in the water the there are also like with marine mammal protections um there is a certain distance that you that boats are really just like any human contact oh yeah same with um um, manatees yeah yeah another marine mammal they they're well protected but and there's like a i forgot what the punishment is if you break it but i know like in an ideal world with whale watching and and whatnot like you there the tour operator should be a certain distance from from the whales yeah um as in and they shouldn't uh harass i know that was the key word is harass um them and that could be um, trying it, 
it could go wrong if they're like speeding up, revving their engine, trying to catch up to the whale, and, and they and telling the whales to smile, telling the female whales yes. that they should smile because they'd look prettier. <laughs> that yes. kind of harassment. <laughs> that kind of harassment. It exists not just for humans. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I guess that is like a way that whale watching could be bad. Yeah, um, is if there isn't any level of harassment towards those animals. Okay, so like to a degree, that's out of your control as a tourist, but but then there are like more harmful ones, like mm-hmm. swimming with dolphins, which you choose to do, and yeah. someone's probably direct yeah, contact. Yeah, someone's probably leading that experience, but the impact of human interaction with wild animals on mm-hmm. those animals is mm-hmm. questionable and probably erring on the side of negative impact. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I feel like swimming with dolphins is such a prime direct example of um, participating in, like, a, a negative side of ecotourism. But I guess another example I was kind of thinking about is maybe something you don't realize uh, could you, people participate in and don't really consciously think about the impact of. Um, when I'm, I'm thinking of... Also, when I was in uh, Asia, there are so many um, macaque monkeys all over the place, and they've gotten so accustomed to tourists feeding them that they, as soon as they see in a human, like they they will just start crowding around and just get and basically anticipate to get fed, and if they don't, they get angry. And um, so, while these people technically don't, haven't exactly gone out of their way to go see these monkeys. There, there is also like that negative impact to the wildlife. Um, yeah, they become dependent on that. humans, and mm-hmm. they also are like less afraid of mm-hmm. things that are bigger than them, which mm-hmm. could prove dangerous in the event yeah. of a predator prey situation. Yeah, I don't know if that's a perfect example, but there's something I thought about when we when thinking about like those those interactions humans have with animals like this yeah i i have unfortunately participated in the directly harmful uh, experience of ecotourism i was a child so i did not know better but (laughs) when i feel like we've all have (laughs) we we just didn't know um we went on vacation to the um very exotic and exciting state of tennessee which is actually a lovely, very, yeah, I was like, very I'm beautiful to see state. What <laughs> is this sarcastic? But, but for the fact that I went on an elephant ride in Tennessee is so mm-hmm. out of place. It makes no sense. I don't remember yeah. where it was or why it was happening. But mm-hmm. yeah, my, my sisters and I rode elephants while we were on vacation in Tennessee. Okay. And I mean, we were pretty excited about it. Elephants are yeah. wonderful, beautiful, magical creatures. Yeah. But that doesn't mean humans should be riding them. Yeah, well, it's kind of like, I mean, as a kid, going to the zoo was the best thing. And to actually interact with them, like, right in front of you, or you get to ride them or feed them. Like, those kind of interactions are so impactful as a kid. Yeah. um, It's it's so unique. So, I mean, I totally understand why, like, as a kid, you're like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think there's one other term that we wanted to talk about that mm-hmm. kind of falls under this umbrella of 
the bad sides of ecotourism. Yeah. Yeah. And sort of like just, yeah, the evils of the tourism industry in general, mm-hmm. because some of the yeah. research we did was actually so interesting when we started seeing this term eco-colonialism and neo-colonialism mm-hmm. with ecotourism um, in, in a lot of essays and articles. Um, we did a little bit of digging and and it actually makes so much sense like countries that were being colonized you know back hundreds of years ago and uh you know are still feeling those effects today they were initially colonized for whatever natural resources they had which back then might have been agriculture might have been hunting it Mm might have been slave trade i mean there's so many reasons why countries were basically harvested of their natural resources Mm -hmm. and although the um like governmental political ties of colonism might not be there anymore Mm -hmm. those industries were developed over those hundreds of years to be reliant on the investment and economic power of the countries that were colonizing them Mm -hmm. and so that has transformed in many countries i think one example we were reading about was countries in the caribbean you know island island countries island communities yeah that are now um really reliant on the tourism and and leisure industry for Mm -hmm. a lot of their income and that that industry relies on the countries that were colonizing them and so that relationship is still there Mm -hmm. and it just looks differently and um when this if if it were all local eco- local economy locally owned businesses you know then it would maybe be a different story if that money was staying in the community and supporting mm-hmm. the community and building mm-hmm. that community up but you know a lot of the like chain hotels that we all are familiar with are the ones that have resorts in in countries and mm-hmm. like you know tourism hotbeds so Mm -hmm. that money is not staying in that community that Mm money is coming back to the u.s and to western europe Mm -hmm. and that's when it becomes a neo-colonialism that's an Mm -hmm. active practice of colonialism that's happening Mm -hmm. um and that overlaps pretty significantly with ecotourism right yeah yeah i mean yeah like kind of do your point there about like if it is a matter of people just wanting to get away and like the number of people that are thinking like oh let's just go to the caribbean because they have great great resorts and you just go to the resort and you end up staying on that resort that entire time not really actually like going out and experiencing the the people and the places that exist there um that right there is a, like a very classic example of you just of all that money just being funneled right right back to the the place that you just came from probably yeah <laughs> un- unfortunately that is very likely yeah and um, yeah, I think it's it's a very unfortunate reality of how a lot of these countries have developed and they're so dependent on on it now at this point. Like if you think about how I'm, a lot of these countries were impacted by the pandemic and the lack of tourists, the so many people suddenly lost their jobs and lost their their way of feeding their family because yeah. of this dependence and it's it's a very just unfortunate reality that has come up from just this transition from not not uh, being reliant on 
a certain cash crop, but instead now um, the the natural beauty that this place provides and the draw that the tourists would like to, the draw that these tourists want, uh, have to just come and experience the beach or experience the food. A or, getaway. A getaway, exactly. Yeah. And so unfor- that is, I think, a very unfortunate example is the Caribbean there. I think that's like, it is, I haven't gone to any of those islands myself yet to experience it for it. But I do remember watching a film in grad school where we were focusing on Jamaica and they were talking almost exactly about this. And it was just so like, what? So, yeah, I um, haven't been to any of those countries either, but actually I think Hawaii is a great example. Yeah. Because historic i mean it it is it was colonized by us and mm-hmm. historically it has a very different culture because mm-hmm. it has a you know asian pacific islander culture mm-hmm. and i know i i watched white lotus and i made you watch it too because we both love hawaii so much and it's a beautiful beautiful show mm-hmm. beautifully shot but yeah it had so many great examples of like eco-colonialism and eco-tourism you see that some of the characters struggle with this with their own decision making like taking Mm -hmm. the job at the resort to make money but then exploiting your culture Mm -hmm. for that money to support your life and your family Mm -hmm. and you know not that I'm I'm not saying yeah I'm not saying that's everyone's example or everyone's situation but yeah it's an interesting narrative to think about it in that way um Mm -hmm. as you know personally as a white person of relative privilege who yeah has gotten to go stay at a resort in yeah in hawaii and being aware of that is a game changer mm-hmm. well i think yeah like i think those are all really great examples of how ecotourism or can be destructive yeah how how it has in been yeah, been been destructive, and um, it's something that I think it's easy to lose sight of the way things have evolved. But by at least, I guess, being mindful of it is really key. Yeah. Well, we didn't even mention greenwashing, which is yeah. Kind of, I was going to say that too. Yeah, really, you kind of get mystified by the the advertising of it all, which mm-hmm. honestly is like ecotourism sometimes is used just as an advertising marketing ploy. Yeah, and that's pretty easy to buy into if you're trying to plan a getaway and it looks really great and it looks all sustainable and stuff and then you get there and you may or may not realize it but things are not as they seem yeah and i guess for those of us listeners that by chance aren't aware of what greenwashing actually means it's not just in the tourism world it's really everywhere but if you think about instances where marketing has been used to make things seem sustainable environmentally friendly and whatnot and it actually isn't or they use they use terms that are um aren't legally um what's the the, like they use words that won't get them in trouble with the law like using the word natural really means Uh, nothing yeah they, they skirt around any sort of like requirements like if something's certified organic yeah, and it has to theoretically meet a standard, mm-hmm. but you, yeah, you can say natural and get around that, but still imply something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, and it unfortunately exists really in so many facets of our life, but tourism included. And like you were just saying with the neo-colonialism 
way of life. I mean, yeah, it's so easy for you to think like, oh, let me just go to this natural environment and, you know, just like travel to it, experience it and whatnot. And you may, while you may be thinking that you're the conservation efforts that you, um, are being told your money goes towards, it may not actually do that. And, um, it could just be something about the way they, they word the advertisement to you or something like that. And so you, it's very easy to, to fall under the guise of greenwashing in the, the tourism world without really realizing it. Yeah. And buddy, we're here to tell you, don't fall for it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can be an eco-conscious traveler and mm-hmm. have a, a less of a negative impact, but don't buy into the BS. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe we'll get into that more if there's like more specific examples that Mm -hmm. come up as we get into different topics of the podcast but yeah greenwashing is actually kind of it's like a debunking of what's real what's not real yeah what's actually sustainable what's not sustainable yeah yeah Yeah, it comes up a lot in travel i never really thought about it that way yeah because i think something i like i'm sure you would agree with when in our time as sustainability students it was a lot more about like products and businesses that we interact with in our daily lives. So, like, yeah. I remember diving into um, eggs with and like what it meant for you dove into eggs, dove into not physically, but what like did diving. That feel in... like <laughs> it's very messy. <laughs> that would feel really, I think, satisfying, but maybe scratchy. Maybe if you're wearing a wetsuit, <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't feel the individual edges, the scratches, yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, we, we dove into the, the topic of eggs and how it's marketed as natural or like, um, free range versus, um, cage free and all that stuff. And yeah, it was really eye opening, um, to understand that. Not to get, not to get too off topic, but I was just at the grocery store the other day buying eggs and the ones that I usually buy, which maybe said free range now say say something like that our chickens get outdoor time or something are you serious (laughs) (laughs) this is another great example of how they had to change their marketing because of whatever standards say like okay this is what free range actually means if you're just letting your chickens out for two hours of free range time a day you can't maybe say that they're free range i don't know what the standard is but i thought that was so funny they had to change their brand their label to say like our chickens get outdoor time (laughs) which is why i don't eat meat but i guess i do eat um, that just seems like such a funny like bio of like a person being like i it's like as a way of telling someone that you're outdoorsy of i do (laughs) i do some outdoor time (laughs) i spend i get two hours of pasture time a day it may be five minutes but it's still outdoor time (laughs) oh my gosh anyway greenwashing hilarious (laughs) well yeah back to the main point was that yeah like greenwashing i think it's at least in our education it was very focused on like the products but it really is a something that impacts everything we do in our lives not just from a day-to-day but from traveling and whatnot so it's something to be mindful of but also i guess as a transition to that is like these are unfortunately a lot of the negative sides to travel and tourism but with this podcast as well as just in the realm of sustainable tourism where we're hoping um to to really 
promote the practice of being a responsible and sustainable traveler. And that involves, I guess, first of all, I guess, like an understanding of what we just talked about, but a bunch of other things, right? Yeah, I mean, it's understanding it and then it's applying it. It's really mm-hmm. about the choices that you make and mm-hmm. choosing to investigate whether or not something is greenwashing, choosing yeah. to, you know, go on a trip that you have done research on or know that it's going to be sustainable or low impact or positive impact. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe thinking twice about some of the more, some of the less sustainable and um, less environmentally friendly, culturally friendly activities that you might go on when you're on a trip. So definitely like not swimming with dolphins. Staying, yeah. Saying no to that. Yeah, and not also like contributing to like over touristy places. Like if you think about how popular, say, the Mediterranean gets in the summer, and um, it all these cities like Rome or Athens and whatnot, like they get so packed with tourists, and that's like it has the imp- so many impacts in that realm. But it's so much better to to go in a more off season or even go to a, a lesser known place. So. Um, well, you know who suffers from over-tourism the worst? Who? Is Detroit, Michigan. So nobody come here. <laughs> Actually, it is the opposite. Please, everybody come like, here. Come spend your yeah. money. <laughs> no, I was being um, ironic. <laughs> I was like, um, versus Rome, really? Or Venice? We are working on our tourism industry but let me tell you folks there's a lot of great food and even greater people come see detroit (laughs) (laughs) and i'm talking to you all my friends please come see me (laughs) Allie. you've never been here what the hell i still haven't i know i need to um well but you know responsible travel it's all about yeah where you choose to go how you choose to get there you could take amtrak maybe to get here versus if you a plane to. yeah i could that'd be a long way but yeah it's I, yeah i, I look i looked into taking the train to tucson it was three oh. days that'd be interesting two days three days i don't mm-hmm. know man it was expensive though i didn't mm-hmm. i didn't think about that too long but um yeah that's what we're gonna keep talking about more is not only you know making your choices to prioritize the health of the environment but also the people and um, economy yeah the economy having respect for the the culture and the place Mm -hmm. that you are visiting Mm -hmm. because that's what it's responsible travel you want to be respectful and responsible and and try to have more of a positive impact than a negative impact and actually think through what that means with Mm -hmm. every decision that you make Mm -hmm. on a vacation not to make it sound like work like it should be easy but (laughs) you know don't be a dick but I, are, we, I, are we are we swearing do we make an executive i decision? am not sure or i guess oh well i'll have to make note now that we're explicit in our uh, podcast here <laughs> <laughs> uh well, yeah i guess overall like we're hoping that you can think about just traveling with an open mind i think is one of our big lessons i mean it's easy to get caught up in um the full list of things that instagram is telling you to go visit and whatnot but like um thinking about the the different culture you may be experiencing the different environment and whatnot is and being respectful through and through of the people 
and the environment that you're interacting with is like one of the biggest ways you can at least overall just be a responsible traveler. Yeah, and I think the reason why this is so important to us, to you and I, to people in general, is that, you know, climate change is real. There's a lot of um, changes impacting mm-hmm. the environment and, and communities and people and places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, travel is important to you and me for sure. And mm-hmm. to be able to travel in a really, like, conscious way mm-hmm. feels a lot better than contributing to the dumpster fire that sometimes is the planet. So if we want to be able to keep traveling and keep visiting places and allow that to happen for generations to come, Mm -hmm. then the decisions we make today can kind of like we were talking about with sustainable tourism with the industry, if we're Mm -hmm. reinforcing the good decisions and good, um, you know, structures of Mm -hmm. this, of the tourism industry, then it's going to keep shifting in a way mm-hmm. that we want mm-hmm. that that we want to see because yeah. put your money where your mouth is voting with your dollar yeah where wherever your money goes that's what we're going to keep seeing more of and mm-hmm. so we want to invest in that mm-hmm. in our future yeah i think that's a great way of summing it all up don't you think i think yes <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, okay, I guess uh, with that, um, we'd like to thank you for listening to our second episode of the Everdrin podcast. And what are we going to talk about next week? Next time? Next time, we're going to talk about one of your favorites, national parks and over tourism in oh, national yeah. parks. Such a great time to talk about it with how busy we're getting into national park season as i guess i call it because well a great time to talk about it yeah because the pandemic like totally changed tourism and national parks we'll get into it we'll get into it yeah i don't know if y'all have seen in the news but it is it it, like they're expecting these coming months to really be a major shift in how many people are traveling so um it's a very timely topic but yeah yeah well, um, in the meantime, please follow us at everjourn.travel on Instagram, and be sure to send any questions or comments that you have to everjourn.travel at gmail.com. We also want your pro-eco travel tips. We yes, don't know please. everything. Give yes. us your ideas. Yeah. We'll give you a credit. Tell us what name you want us to, to decide. <laughs> a PG name. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, maybe no curse words, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, depends on if we want to be an explicit podcast here, but yeah. <laughs> well, um, thank you, everyone, and we'll uh, see you next time.